so I'm going to start off by telling you a story. Now, there was this little boy, and his name was Johnny. And he went to school, and they were learning how to play softball. Do you know what softball is? It's where you hit the ball with a bat. And he came home, and he wanted to impress his mum and dad with his skills at softball. So he got his bat and his ball, and... He, he said, Mum and Dad, come outside. I want to show you something. He said, I am the greatest softball player of all time. And he threw his ball up in the air and gave a big smash swing, and he missed it completely. Strike one, he said. And then he said, I'm the greatest batter in the world. Threw his ball in the air, swing, missed it again. Strike two. One to go. He, he says, I am the greatest batter of all time. And he throws the ball in the air, gives a big swing. Guess what? He missed again. He was really embarrassed and he put his head down and he was thinking to himself and then he said, guess what dad? I just struck out the best batter in the whole world. I must be the greatest pitcher of all time. So Today is the first sermon in a series on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes have been described as attitudes that we should be. And Billy Graham described them as the beautiful attitudes. And our attitude in life is extremely important. Do we interpret things positively or negatively? So here's this little kid, he's just made a fool of himself, but he's found a way to be positive about it. And we know that all things work together for good in our lives. And so we've got to learn to look for the good in everything that's going on around us and stay in that positive, happy frame of mind. So our attitude towards life has a massive impact on our enjoyment and our success in life. I remember when I was a little boy, people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I had a variety of answers. I would say, when I grow up, I want to be a, a fireman or a postman. Well, they're just about obsolete these days, aren't they? <laughs> or a professional sports person. But imagine if we asked Jesus, what do you want me to do or be when I grow up? And his answer is in our reading this morning. But his answer focuses on the character he wants us to have rather than the career that he wants us to have. Let's look at our reading. It's from Matthew 5. Verses 12, uh, 2 to 12, but I'm reading from the J.B. Phillips version. It's the, the Beatitudes from the Bible, but this is a more contemporary version that makes them very clear. 
It says, happy are those who realize their spiritual poverty. They have already entered the kingdom of reality. Happy are those who bear their share of the world's pain. In the long run, they will know more about happiness than those who avoid it. Happy are those who accept life and their own limitations. They will find more in life than anybody else. Happy are those who are ready to make allowances and to forgive. They will know the love of God. Happy are those who are real in their thoughts and feelings. In the end, they will see the ultimate reality, God himself. Happy are those who help others to live together. They will be known to be God's they will be known to be doing God's work. So these are the beautiful attitudes, and they apply to our inward attitudes as well as our outward actions. They've been called the constitution of the kingdom of God. Some consider them the most profound words that have ever been spoken. Jesus is laying the foundational truths of the kingdom that he has come to proclaim on earth. They also illustrate the power of a spirit-filled life. You know, this world that we live in, it values high self-esteem, wealth, personal power, and selfish ambition. But God's kingdom is the opposite. The primary focus of God's kingdom is on peace, truth, grace, and humility. Human effort can never earn the blessings that are available to us in this teaching. We can't behave like Christ until we've been transformed by Christ. The most important people in Christ's kingdom are those who are lowest in the world's estimation. When Jesus was on earth, he stated that John the Baptist was the greatest man that had ever lived. Yet John the Baptist had no possessions. He had no home. He lived in the wilderness. He dressed himself in animal skins. He ate locusts and ate wild honey. He was not part of a religious system, and he had no financial, military, or political authority. By worldly standards, he was a misfit. He was a failure. Yet he received God's highest acclamation. In Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The lowest person in God's kingdom is greater than John the Baptist, who God said was the greatest person in history. So these people are characterized by humility, by compassion, meekness, and a desire for justice. They're merciful, pure, peace-loving, and they endure persecution for doing the things that they know are right. 
So over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking what the Beatitudes really mean. We're going to focus on a different Beatitude each week, and we're going to really study what they mean. They're the characteristics of losers in the eyes of the world. The world says, assert yourself, stand up for yourself, be proud of yourself, elevate yourself, defend yourself, avenge yourself, serve yourself. The Beatitudes are not poetry or psychological counsel or a magic formula. They're brief, bold statements about what matters most in life. They're not like a buffet meal where we get to choose the food that we eat. They're a package deal, like the links of a chain that make up a unified whole. We can each ask ourselves, am I ready to align myself with the purpose for which God created me? Is it possible to find this blessing even through the brokenness that I've experienced in my life. Jesus shared this teaching at the very beginning of his public ministry. In Matthew 5 verse 1 it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and he taught them. So Jesus was going up the mountain and so he invited some people to join him. Jesus demonstrated the importance of regularly getting away from the busyness of life. Away from the worry level, from the noise level, and the daily demands of life. The Bible is full of mountain peaks. There's Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Mount Zion, where the temple of God was built and people came to worship God. The Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus, Peter, James and John met with Moses and Elijah. When we went to Israel in 2014, we went to the place where the Beatitudes were given. It's called today the Mount of the Beatitudes. And here's some pictures of them. This is the, it, that's the Sea of Galilee just down below. And uh, there's this, you go up, um, this puts everything in perspective. Uh, you've got Capernaum, where Jesus lived for some time and ministered. You've got Bethsaida, but you can see the Mount of Beatitudes up from the sea. And that's where it took place. But if you've been to Israel, just about every important place where Jesus ministered, there's a church there these days. And this is the Church of the Beatitudes from the Sermon of, on the Mount. And so you can go into that beautiful church. And then around that church, there is a lovely garden. And there are all these plaques with each of the Beatitudes written on them. And um, so that's probably my favourite beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And that's another photo of a plaque, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, spiritually minded people 
often feel closer to God on a mountaintop. How many of you have climbed Mount Tohara? That's pretty good. Hands up if you've climbed Mount Narahoe. Cool. Well done. Ruapehu. Yep. It's going to get easier. They've just built the new chairlift. You, you can cheat. You can go to the top and stroll up, uh, top of the chairlift and stroll up to the top of the mountain. It's the highest mountain in the North Island, so it's quite an accomplishment even if you do cheat. Things look different from a mountaintop. It's a lot easier to put things into perspective when you're looking down on the lie of the land. And on the mountain, we can listen to God's voice and we can reflect on what's happening in our lives. So in verse 1, it's a clear distinction is made between the crowd and the disciples. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. So Jesus turned his back on the crowds. Jesus had been ministering down there by the lake, and he had healed a lot of people. But he left the crowds with all their problems and all their potential. After he got to the top of the mountain, he sat down. And that's what Jewish rabbis did in those days. Then his disciples gathered around him. And it wasn't just his 12 disciples. It would also be people who had been healed, people who had heard his teaching, who wanted to find out more about Jesus. And it appears that the numbers of people increased as the day went on. And each of us have a choice. We can be part of the crowd or we can be one of Jesus' disciples. Are you wanting to just be a fan of Jesus or are you determined to be a follower of Jesus, to study Jesus, to listen to those words that he spoke and make him the leader of your life? You know, that word beatitude, it comes from a Latin word, beatus. And that word means to be happy or to be blessed. And they represent Jesus' vision for ordinary people like you and I, not for the rich and famous as such. It's the very first sermon recorded in the New Testament that was preached by Jesus. And it begins with this promise of happiness. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm telling you about the way to be happy and to be fulfilled. It's the key to a life of satisfaction, a life of contentment and delight. Here, Jesus makes eight positive statements saying this is how you can get full satisfaction. Are you happy this morning? Many people spend their lives thinking, I would be happy if only... And they've got a list of about 10 things. People look for happiness in all the wrong places. They associate it with the wrong things. 
Here, Jesus shares the secret of a thoroughly blessed life. Our first impression when we hear this teaching is that it's a bit upside down, that it's confused. The Beatitudes appear to be almost contradictory. They contain oxymorons. Now, did your English teacher tell you what an oxymoron is? It's a strange thing that sounds contradictory. There's a few on the screen. Like you have a meal and you say, oh, that was awfully good. Well, if it was awful, then it's not good, is it? Or you look at a beautiful girl and you say, oh, she's pretty ugly. Well, is she pretty or is she ugly? People speak of a deafening silence. Or they report that something was found missing. <laughs> or you can go online and buy a free Kindle book. Did you buy it or is it free? <laughs> These confusing words of Jesus appear to be back to front. They're things that confronted the value system of that day also, just as they do today. Jesus says God blesses those who are poor, those who grieve, those who are humble, those who want to obey him. God blesses those who show mercy, who are pure in heart, those who make peace, and those who are treated badly for doing the right thing. I guess you tick some of those boxes, most of us do that we're all having areas that we're struggling in. But people that have struggles are blessed by God. We've also got communion this morning, and as we move into a communion time, I want us all to realise that the Beatitudes are actually a self-portrait of Jesus. If we measure Jesus' life by these qualities we can clearly see that he modelled every one of those Beatitudes. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're called to be transformed into the image of Christ. Philippians 25 verse 8 tells us that Jesus was poor in spirit, even though he had all the rights and privileges of God. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He mourned. He wept for Lazarus. He wept over Jerusalem. He was a man, man of sorrows who experienced grief. He was humble and meek. He hungered and thirsted for what was right. He was merciful. As we yield our own lives towards him and accept his words and bask in his love, we also will become like him. And so allow Jesus to motivate you to serve him and to follow him. Let go of your old desires and embrace a new vision. 
a desire to live your life in Jesus' way, a higher way. I'd like, you to, like to encourage you to read through each of the Beatitudes slowly each day for a week. Print them off. Put them next to your bed or pin them to the wall next to your desk. Prayerfully read them and say, Lord, help me to make these qualities come alive in my life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your invitation to come up the mountain, away from the everyday pressures of life, to live our lives at a new level and see things from a different perspective. Teach us the things we need to know so that we can share them with others along the way. Help us to accept your invitation to meet with you and allow our lives to be shaped by your truth and transformed by your loving presence. Amen. Amen.